0: waiting just a minute for, there we go, there's Kyle Butler. Hi, Kyle. How are you, brother? Tommy Hawk, glad to see you, Glenda, and more. So we're going to start. We have three, right? <laughs> Jesus said if two or three gathered together, he'd be there. So we had three popped on and we have five here. So uh, <clears throat> I'm starting uh, today out with uh, in a new chapter. I started writing it last night. And I decided to title this chapter, Walking as Highlanders. Walking as Highlanders. Do you guys remember a tree of life here, particularly several years ago? I can't find the person's name, but there's a person in the Old Testament and, uh, or, or a people, and the, the interpretation that word was lowlanders. Mm-hmm. And it was, a. remember that? I need to find that. I tried to search in some of my writings, but I couldn't. But you know, uh, highlanders, lowlanders, Uh, Living in the cool of the day, you know, dust dwellers, dwellers, which is Philistines, which I'm going to point out later on, Uh, spiritually minded as far as carnally minded. It all talks about two different lands to live in. You know, it's all one place, but it's a spiritual place. But you can be a we all literally are in the cool of the day. We are all the breath of God, but it's where we consciously live that affects us. And that's why Kay and I for a long time has been talking about how we need to get our conscious awareness focused on that which is of the breath of God or spirit as we've called it all of our life. And, you know, all fullness dwells in our holy breath. All fullness does. All full, and, you know, we can still say spirit too, and, but it all dwells there because it is the very breath of our creator and it's the breath of our creator that gave life to man and so we continue to breathe the very breath of god and that's that's the that is our essence again that's our chi that's our our essence It's the power it's what keeps us functioning and as i earlier uh, wrote in another chapter i we saw where jesus waxed strong in the holy breath of god or in the spirit the spirit of god and he waxed strong in wisdom and knowledge and uh there was a way that that happened i i don't believe that when jesus was born and a little bitty boy he knew everything all of a sudden you know we we look at my grandson here they think they do (laughs) and sometimes we think that but i think he had to learn and the bible says that he waxed strong in that so that meant he just wasn't born fully aware of everything yet and so i I really believe that he was uh, uh, taken away uh, protected from the religious systems of the world from the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the law. And I believe he was taught by others and the others that had great awareness of God. And the Bible calls, I mean, the history calls them masters. And Jesus was always called what? The great master. So he became a great master himself. And so uh, Ephesians 4.15, I paraphrased it, but it says that we speak the truth in love so in so doing when people hear the truthful gospel god's eternal love they will awaken to eternally being the holy breath of our creator and so that's what we want to do we the fullness of that has come to other people we begin to share it with them to, where they can experience who they are and that's really my passion is just to share everybody i come into contact with share some manner of truth and believe that that truth will take seed and will grow and, and, grow in, and cause them to grow in understanding and grow in knowledge. Paul said when he, ta- when he, uh, when he thought of the church, he always prayed that they would, they would receive their spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of, of Jesus. In other words, the knowledge that Jesus came to reveal. So if we grow in the divine way, we must be governed and we must be united. You know, people don't want to be governed and you know, people don't want people to tell them what to do. People don't want to be corrected or whatever, but we are all governed by something. You know, we, we're either governed by that which is carnal, we're governed by our belief systems, we're governed by the way we grew up and lived. Uh, my family, uh, there was some abuse went on in my family and some situations that took place, and most of their life they were governed by that because they couldn't break free from it. And we, all of us, could probably say, in some way or another, there was some kind of abuse that was in our life, there was some something said about us. You know, like when you go to school, uh, it's really sad how kids talk about each other and make fun of each other and sometimes there's a particular one that's made fun of all their life and that governs their life, correct? And so we want to be governed by the holy breath of God. Jesus spoke of the Father quite often in the book of John. I was just, I don't know, well I do know why, but I was really prompted this morning to go through the book of John and look at how many times Jesus said, Father. Now, in the King James, it says, my father, but he did not say father. The, the words were sometimes taken out of order. Sometimes the word my was added because if he just keeps saying, my father, my father, my father, then it would imply that he's not your father, right? When I talk about my father, Barbara, my father, Sam Richmond, that's not your father. So, but you can't say my father. And, and I kind of think, in a sense, the way the scripture was written to the point that we couldn't say my father, it was Jesus' father, Right? And so it's interesting that when he spoke of father in the book of John, he did so 32 times. And I was prompted to look up the meaning of the, of the uh, word 32 or what it inferred in the Bible. And it infers the word covenant 32 is the number for covenant. So I pointed out recently, there is no old covenant and there is no new covenant, right? If God is eternal and if, if God's word is yea and a man, then it doesn't change. He didn't give an old covenant and then decided to do a new covenant later on. I mean, why would you even call it the old covenant? And with God, the covenant was eternal and the covenant was a, a relationship. And so literally the word covenant is a pledge and a bond. And so what it is, God's covenant is a pledge and a bond between him and man, between God and man. And it never changed no matter what man did or didn't do. It was always there. Just like a husband, a husband, uh, pledged us to be faithful to his wife, if that pledge is real, then all of his life he's going to be faithful to his wife, and, he, and his wife can trust him to do that, and vice versa. So our father has never not been faithful to us. We sometimes wonder, I mean, in, in our immaturity, we will say, why aren't you doing this? Or if you're God, why isn't this going on, whatever? Well, it's not, it's not why hasn't he done it, it's why aren't we not lining up to where we can receive and so Jesus understood this bond, and Jesus was quite a name dropper, if you would. Now, the word name dropper kind of implies something not good because it seemed, uh, if you're a name dropper and you're out in public, it's kind of to build you up like you know somebody. But what Jesus was doing was building up the Father, constantly build up the Father, fa- constantly gave glory to the Father and honored yes, the Father. So in the book of John, he said, Father gives you the true, uh, true bread. I'm just going to read these to you. Father gives you the true bread. If you had known me, you would have known Father also. Father has taught me. These are things he said. I speak that which I have seen with Father. I honor Father. Father honors me. Father loves me and Father loves you. I have received commandment from Father. Father is great, greater than all. I and Father are one. I do the works of the Father. You should have known the Father, and they should have, right? I am in Father and you are in me and Father exists in you because we are all one. Just like you and I are in one another. We we have the very same divine nature activity. We have the very same breath of God that we breathe. So we could say the same thing we're in one another. Father is the husbandman. I glorify Father. All things I've heard of Father of me I have made known to you. If you hate me you hate Father. As Father has sent me even so I send you. And then in John 20:21 20, Jesus breathed, literally breathed, which means blew on them. So Benny Hinn was not off when he blew on people, but he, he blew on his disciples and said, actively get hold of and accept your holy breath. He didn't say receive you the Holy Ghost. In other words, like we didn't have it, we had to receive it. But he said, get hold of it. And we need to understand that. Uh, in, in scripture, when it talks about receive, and there's some other words, it means to be able to get hold of something and possess it. If I've given you money, Barbara, and I put it in your checking account, or I saw you put it in your checking account, but you're still living like you have no money, I would say, Barbara, get hold of that. Cash a check. Write a check on it. Enjoy it. And that's what really Jesus was here telling us and Paul was telling us, is to get hold of what's inside of you. Enjoy that. Tap into that well inside of you and begin to command, spring up a oh well within my soul. I believe there's some powerful things in professing that over and over and over, but you have to believe there's a will within side of you. And so he said that, and in other words, start living in the high land, being the holy breath of Father in you, and that's who we are. Now, many times I've heard people say, Jesus is God. Have you heard that? Many times. And uh, preachers get up and say, Jesus was God. Well, Jesus was no more God than you are God at all he was fully aware of who he was he had hold of the breath of God and he he can function out of who he was but you know they say he was God but the scripture says he's he was son of God you can't find in the Bible where it says Jesus was God but it says he was son of God and so are we son of God and that's why the Jews wanted him killed the Jewish leaders because he declared himself to be son of God And very few, I doubt anybody else openly in that time said they were son of God. And so because of that, people viewed him as to be the only son of God also. And there are scriptures that would make you think that he was the only son of God. And so uh, in John 3, 8, John discusses putting one's faith in the nature and the character of Jesus and then uses the phrase only begotten. And there again, we think, well, he was the only one born of God, but we know that's not true, but that's what Scripture looks like. And it'll say the first begotten, right? Well, there is no first. We live; we were all in God from the very foundation of the world before. So the root word that was translated as only begotten is meno, M-E-N-O, and it means to stay in a state of relation, hence to abide. So literally at that time, Jesus was the only one that stayed in the the position of rest that he had with God from birth. He never left that. Am I making sense to you, Donna? You got that look like what? <laughs> I, I have questions. Okay, but, but what he did, he, the, the whole thing when you look things up all the time, uh, certain words up, it'll say a, a relation of rest or, or a oneness with one another. You think about a couple getting married and they're passionately in love with each other. And, they, and, and I'll, I'll tell you what, I've been watching a, a Netflix series called uh, uh, Victoria, about Queen Victoria. And I've been watching her relationship with her husband. And year after year after year, they stayed in a passionate relationship with one another. They, When they went to bed at night, he would lay down up against the headboard and she would kind of lay in his arms and they would talk. And they just, they never let that go away. Now sometimes some, Hard times would come and a little hard, but they, they remembered their love for each other and they went right back to that. So they, lay, they stayed in a position of rest with one another, correct? So that's what this is saying when it says begotten. It literally means he stayed in that relationship with his father of rest and he never left that. Is your question something I can answer on right now? All right. So John wrote this and he said, but these things written that you might have faith have faith that, faith that Jesus exists as holy breath. And he wanted us to understand that and to have faith that Jesus existed as who he said he was, because if we didn't believe who he said he was, then we wouldn't be that way ourselves. So he told us who he was, and then he told us who we are, which is the same as who he was. Correct? So. If you can take hold of that and you can understand that, then you function in the very same nature that Jesus functioned in. And everybody that will take hold of this and enter into that rest, we can go forth and do the same works that Jesus did. And what did he say? We would do even more. We would do even more. So I kind of paraphrase that a little bit there. So he said, if you you abide in a relation of rest with me, and stay with my, stay with my words I have spoken, and let them abide in you. Whatever you require for your life, it shall become to you. So, you know, we, we sometimes, like I've said, Jesus, uh, I talked about how Jesus took the bread, and there was a requirement to feed the people, and he multiplied the bread. So this is what this is talking about. Whatever you speak, it will become. But you do it for other people, you don't do it for you right? I want to be a blessing to all people that I go to. And if there's a requirement for their life, I want to know that I'm able to meet that. But the truth of the matter is, I don't want to just be going around meeting people's physical needs. I want to meet their awareness needs. And I've said this many times before, Jesus came and his mandate was revealed the truth of the gospel to us and uh, truth of the word of God to us and who we are. But the people were so spiritually bankrupt. And what I mean by that, they were the breath of God, but they were not aware that they were the breath of God. Have you met anybody that was poor-minded, and yet they were not poor? Right? So they were poor-minded. That's why Jesus said, you will always have the poor among you. He was talking about they would be the poor-minded. But he came to them to heal them of their religious belief system, to free them from that. But they were so bankrupt, all they wanted was their cancer healed, their, their, their limbs to be healed, they wanted to be brought back to their right mind, and he only could minister to them where they were at. And as he was teaching the disciples, there was well over 100 disciples at that time, and they began to discuss uh, the bread of Moses. And Jesus uh, finally began to minister to them most holy place things, and he said, guys, i want to tell you something, I'm that bread, Father is that bread. I'm here to give you the real bread. And these disciples began to murmur among themselves, and they said, These things are difficult to understand. And 100 of them, approximately 100, left him at that point. And he knew what his disciples were thinking, and he turned to them and said, Are you going to lead me too? Lead me too. So the crowds want their immediate needs met. The crowds aren't concerned about future things, blessing other people, whatever. They're concerned more about me, myself, and I. And so that's why you can gather crowds. You can gather hundreds of people on Facebook if you're uh, uh, appealing to their, their physical needs at this time, how to be a better husband, how to be a better wife, how to get wealth, whatever it is. But when you begin to minister Most Holy Place things, you have less and less and less people. It's just the way it is. Crowds want to be made to feel good. Crowds love lots of music and lots of fun and I'm not against any of that but that's not bringing any maturity to people. You'll never grow uh, mature when you're always seeking sensory things that satisfy your sense realm and so these are things that Jesus was trying to teach them if you can enter into this relation of rest that I am with the Father and you can know that you're the breath of God And you can know that you're here to be a servant to all not have everybody serve you then you can live in a life that you've never experienced before that belongs to you from the foundation of the world so we are as much of our father creator as jesus was our father creator just as much the difference then and continues still today for the majority is jesus lived fully aware of who he was and most of mankind never took hold of that they never possessed and they never lived in a relationship of rest As being son of God you know uh, I'm, I'm sure in the beginning when you begin to hear that you were son of God and that you were Holy Spirit it wasn't real easy to go out and share that with other people was it because there's a voice up there and it's a voice of doubt it's a voice and I've had people tell me this I've had people say well you don't know what I've done you know you don't know who I am or or they'll fight for the right to be just a mere human they fight for the right to be a sinner saved by grace. I've heard, I've had preachers tell me, I don't know about you, but I'm still a sinner, you know? And it's just because they didn't understand what I was saying and be, the lie is so strong sometimes, it's so hard to, for them to calm down and listen to the explanation. I mean, Barbara, how many times have you tried to share somebody and they just put their hand up and just turn around? I don't want to hear it, you know? It's too much for them, so. So if you've noticed in those verses that I read, about Jesus saying, "Father," again, I omitted the word "my." The King James version says "my" before Jesus, and the reason is that the wording in the Greek was not "my Father." The word "my" was not before "Father." It was either moved there or it was added there. In John twelve twenty-one, it was added. It did, he just said "Father," just like I say "Father." Sometimes I say "Father God," sometimes I say "Our Father Creator," but it's not just my Father; it's our Father. And when I mean it, I'm talking about the very breath of God, the very Spirit of God. It's, it's the Father of all creation. So this was done to continue, in my opinion, the false teaching that Father God was only Jesus' Father and that Father was somewhere way out there and somehow or another we would get to see Him someday if we lived the right kind of life. So our great master teacher Jesus spoke of our Father over and over to reveal the true relationship with our Father and the relationship that we have with our, with our Father ourselves, It was the revelation of oneness, the revelation of unity, and the breath of our Father being in every man, woman, boy, and girl was of the utmost importance of Jesus' teaching. And so I say that that should be every person that considers themselves to be involved in ministry, that should be the central theme of everything they teach is our oneness with God and our unit with, unity with God. Uh, he taught parables. Uh, he, he dealt with people, every, and he tried to, even with the leaders, do everything in love that they would embrace what he was teaching, and that was his desire. And that's my passion. My passion is I, I want people to embrace what I'm sharing with them. And it's all, about, it's all about who they are. It's all about our Father and all about who they are. The Apostle Paul and others, the masses, uh, if they would just have listened to them, the masses would fully believe today. We wouldn't be in the shape that this planet's in right now. But what we have to do, as Kay says, and I believe it, is we've got to see through all that and see this planet like, like Isaiah said, the whole earth is filled with God's glory. We get to this point that we know the truth so much so that we say all that is a no thing. And we don't let it have a power over our life that we don't let it bring fear in our life because if we're afraid then we're not ministering out of the rest of god amen mm-hmm. i don't know if any of you i'm sure you have have, have any of you heard of the book of Joseph- josephus Yes. i've read the whole book i purposed to do that several years ago and it it was a labor of i don't know what <laughs> but i wanted to read it i'm not telling you i retained everything But I remember uh, his name was Flavius Josephus, and he was one of the Jewish historians. I love how you're doing that, Barbara. (laughs) I know what you're doing, but (laughs) I like what you're doing. You're exercising, but I love when you're doing that. But he wrote uh, The Jewish Wars, which is found in uh, Josephus. And he pointed out in one section of it that there are three philosophical sects among the Jews. Uh, The the followers of the first, which was the Pharisees, and the second was the Sadducees. You know, I always say the Sadducees were very Sadducee. <laughs> they were sad. And then the third sect was uh, professors to a very uh, severe discipline called the essians And it's thought and believed that they are the authors of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Remember when the Dead Sea Scrolls were found several years ago in our lifetime? And uh, they called themselves the son of Zadok after the, uh, King David's high priest. And what's interesting, and you can search them out on the internet, Uh, there were two sides of Israel's spirituality. One side was represented by many Jewish groups who had the letter of the law, the Mosaic law. And that was their side of spirituality, and it was promoting self-righteousness by what? Dead works. that's right, by dead works. And so, as Kay Fairchild pictures, or, or talks about that, they picture the left side of the brain, which is sensory efforts and sensory living. And then the other side of spirituality, the right side of their brain, was represented essentially by the Essians And they practiced holiness and reverence and a moment moment-by-moment living. Uh, they had some real understanding, and they did that by partnering with Father God in their individual daily life consciousness. They would meditate. They would seek to be conscious constantly of the breath of God and their, their union with God. This Jewish group's outward efforts were very difficult because the living holy they sought was from a God from without, from a God way up high, where the Essenes sought God within inside of them. And they realized and they understood this. And we were not taught anything about those in Christianity. Uh, I think, if I remember correctly, there, over in Israel, there are some Jewish people that wear their hair down with, with a ringlet on each side of it, the men, and I believe they are the Essenes of today. I don't think they have this awareness that the, these people did before, but they believe they of, are of that sect. And so they dedicated their life to living in God's central essence. And remember I talked before, God is the center of all universe, of everything. So they dedicated their lives to doing that so that they could be a teacher, healer, or a priest if ever called upon. And and I just, I, I remember, and you guys here at Tree of Life have heard me say this, but many, many years ago uh, when I was at Full Gospel Assembly and we believed in demon possession and we believed in all kinds of stuff like that and i was an associate pastor and one day my pastor brother hibbard called me up and said there's a young man that uh, a family's calling wanting me to come and cast a demon out of him he's he's in really bad shape and i can't go would you do it <laughs> and i foolishly said yes <laughs> but i i think it's just because he didn't want to go you know he called us in, the middle of the night. in the middle of the night yeah it was in the middle of the night And uh, but guess what, you know, even if that could have been done, I wasn't prepared, (laughs) you know, I wasn't to the place where I could function in anything like that at all. And so I went, I remember going, I don't remember who it was or anything, but I remember going and I, I was so scared. And I was almost afraid to bow my head and shut my eyes because I was afraid of what might happen. And I can't even tell you what I did. I can't even tell you how I prayed. I know I didn't bind it and cast it out. I'm sure I said bind or whatever, but I don't even remember what happened from there. I just remember it scared me to death. I remember what happened. Do you? He came home and said that kid is not not. T- that's <laughs> right. I said he's he not, said demon he is possessed. not demon possessed. He needs his butt whipped. know <laughs> that's right. He that's needed his butt whipped. That's what it was. It. Yeah. But yeah. I am using Yeah, but I'm using it as an example. We, we want to be in the place that when there is a need for a true spiritual ministry to take place, whether it be a preacher or a pastor or a teacher or whatever, we can go in all boldness. And if we need to meet people where they're at, if they need healing, we can lay hands on them and minister healing to them, but then we can teach them who they really are. You know, I told Tree of Life a long time ago when I began to realize I didn't have full understanding, but people didn't need to come down and get saved. They need to be told who they are. But I prayed the prayer of salvation with many people because that's what they needed. That's where they were at. That's what they wanted. That's what they wanted. But then I sought to explain to them that you were all already saved from the foundation of the world, and you were already holy from the foundation of the world. But my point is, is we want to get to this place where we are so in tune with God being our central essence that we can be teacher, healer, priest, or whatever, if ever called upon. Because I believe we, I believe in the fivefold ministry. But I believe if I'm called upon, I can be an apostle. If somebody says, "Would you come and help us with our fellowship and be an apostle over us for a while?", I can. If somebody needs a prophetic word from me, and I'm not talking about a word of knowledge, but a, pre- a prophetic word, I believe that I'm in that central place that I can give that prophetic word. I can, but it's not going to be something like maybe you want to hear. And if if the if the Father speaks a word of knowledge to me, then I can go give that. Whatever it is, I can be a teacher if called upon, and I am. And I can be a pastor if called upon, and I am. And I can be a friend if called upon, and I am. And I can be a provider if called upon, and I am. I have provided for many people if called upon. It doesn't mean I have to go out there and just do it all the time. But when the withdrawal takes place, I want to be able to say, "Here I am." Whatever it is you need, I exist as that. I am. Send me. That's right. And remember what "I am" means. It means I. It means exist. Exist. So, Father God exists in us to be whatever people need in this earth. So this whole spiritual philosophy was dedicated to consciously living for and in Father's inner, interpersonal presence, if you would. And this was Jesus' message, and this was Jesus' activity, was bringing awareness of Father as close as one's breath and not distant, but more present, more present in our understanding. What makes Father distant? religiosity? What makes Father distant? reading the king james version or any other version without the lens of the love of god knowing how to dissect the word of god how to translate the word of god understanding that jesus spoke in parables not actualities i mean there are many people will say when they want to believe in a hell they say well what about your rich man poor man look it up it says he spoke a parable it was always a parable to help people understand so his message was for us to uh Not live as a lowlander, but live in the high for us to, uh, excuse me, not live in a lowlander where Father was too high for us to reach to, but live out of the cool of the day. Live out of the breath of God. And even Jesus was taught to be much greater than us, and we could never be like Jesus was, but it's not true. We are. And I've had people say, well, Jesus is greater than you. No, Jesus said, Father was greater. Jesus never said he was greater than us. Jesus had more understanding than man had at that time, right? And Jesus could do more than they were doing, not more than they could do, but he was doing more than they were doing because they were not aware of who they were. So he did not come to start a religion. He didn't come to start Christianity or Baptist, or Lutheran, or Methodist, or anything else whatsoever, because religion is always a doing to be. I promise you, you can go to every church in Oklahoma City, and every one of them will have their different measurements of what you need to do. Somebody wrote me, messaged me on Facebook, and I meant to reply to her, but I forgot to, but she wanted to know what my doctrine of faith was. You know, and uh, I believe in son of God, and I believe we're all son of God. I believe in God Almighty, the creator of all things. And I believe God is breath and God is our very breath. <laughs> I believe that Jesus is not coming back. I believe Jesus is still here. I just believe we don't seem just like all of our other loved ones are still here. I believe, I firmly believe this with all my heart. There are masters who have mastered living out of the spirit that can step in and out of the spirit. And I believe there are people on planet earth that are so spiritually attuned that if God says, go see Barbara Ward and tell her this, they can do it. I believe that and I don't believe in a rapture. I don't believe in a place called hell and I don't believe in demons and devils. Right. I believe in the message that son of God came to reveal to us. That's what I put. And the word believe means to put your whole faith in that. Somebody told me the other day out in the world said you don't believe in a devil. And I said, do you? And they, oh, yeah. And I said, you know what that means? That means you put your whole faith and your spiritual well-being in the trust of that because what you believe in, that's what you put yourself in the faith of. Isn't that crazy? And we've done that all of our life. So he appeared. That's right. Eternal love for everyone always has. And there's no but added to that either. He he just loves us and he always will. So he appeared on the scene to teach the truth that would help mankind experience true freedom that comes from knowing who we are, when you know who you are. When people come to the United States of America, if they would learn who they are and know who they are, they can live the most wonderful freedom that this world ever has. They can be doctors and lawyers, they can go to college, they can get jobs, they can earn money, they can be as well off as they want to be. You know, I was at a restaurant the other day and I was, uh, I've been seeing those Taco Bell advertisements for those uh, tacos that are burgundy color. And I mean, it's just on all the time. It finally got hold of me. huh? Blue Blue corn. It finally got hold of me. So I went into one and I ordered it and there was five people in the back. One girl had a phone on her shoulder while she was taking orders. So I can tell you she didn't Here, thing that was in that headphone said Hardy. It took uh, it took at least thirty five minutes to get me two tacos, and those tacos came out and they tasted absolutely terrible, absolutely terrible. And I just forgot why I was going to tell that story. (laughs) I had a really good example from that, and the train just left the station. So hang on, it'll be back. I promise you. Isn't that crazy? What you saw and what you got. Oh, I know what it was. People, and I don't mean to blast anybody, but people are wanting uh, minimum wages to go really high. And I was talking to a guy that was next to me, he had been waiting for his order for a long time, and I said, and this is why they want us to raise their wages, you know? You have a right in the United States of America to learn and educate yourself to the point that you can make more and more money. You don't have a right just to get it and do nothing, all right? Well, we have a right to live out of our spirit, to live out of the breath of God. We have all things that pertain to life and godliness, but we can't just sit on our butt and wait for it to come to us because we already have it. What we've got to do is learn to live out of it. Just like we can't wait for somebody to give me life and happiness in the United States of America. I already have that right. I need to get up and pursue it. The word that's in our, to pursue. We have a right to pursue happiness you don't have a right to be happy. You don't. You have a right to pursue it. And if you pursue it, it's everywhere. It's found everywhere. And so you have a right to pursue living out of who you are. You have a right to pursue living in the cool of the day. And what you have to do is just get up by faith every day and say, I'm going to live that life. Today is the day that the Lord has made. Every day is the day that the Lord, and I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. Is that scripture? It is. So I do believe Jesus was the greatest teacher than any other teacher on planet earth. He possessed in his understanding all knowledge, all understanding, not just partial, but he was not born with it. He was born with the mind of God like we were. He had the unction of the Holy One, but he needed people to help him and guide him and teach him and and further his understanding to the point that at 12 years old, he was confounding the doctors in the synagogue. He was so smart. He was so intelligent. But he was hid until the time came him to present himself to the Jews and that was that point. So he was hid by his mother and he was brought to teachers that could teach him truth and yes, Essenes could have been part of that teaching and history says that they believe he was. So when Jesus spoke beautiful truth principles like, let not the sun go down on your wrath, or the meek shall inherit the earth, or turn the other cheek, guess what? He was quoting the Essene writings. It was in their writings. And John the Baptist and Jesus was baptizing people in that deep scene teaching and that lifestyle of inner oneness with God in their consciousness and in their momentary life. By moment by moment life, Jesus was baptizing them and is teaching this over and over and over. You know, do you think that everything that I'm teaching has just come to me all supernaturally? It was supernatural, but it came through other teachers. It came through studying. It came through Holy Spirit. It came through the breath of God confirming these things to me and showing these things and revealing to me. And I always say the amen are inside of me saying amen. I'm so used to that voice now, and I'm so thankful that I hear the voice of my Father that when I do look up something, I hear amen. And I learned one thing. I, I, I let peace be my guide, and if I don't feel peace, when I'm looking something up or I read something, I'll say, no, that I don't think that's it. Or I just put it on the shelf later on. Because guess what? There are people out there that believe me. And so I, I have a position. Teachers all have a position to make sure you're teaching truth because a lot of people will believe you. And so the Pharisees and the Sadducees, Jesus' time, was very set at odds with him, continually arguing with him, continually arguing with the John, John the Baptist who was Jesus' cousin. And guess what? John the Baptist was thought to be in a scene also himself. You can look that up in history. And so the Pharisees and Sadducees, they, they had such an antagonistic hate towards Jesus. And they had a feverish, uh, feverish endeavor that they wanted to kill him. And they killed John too. They killed both of them. Reminds me of our president today. There's a group of people that I've never seen such hate for a president. Never. You know, and I know when President Obama was elected, there's a lot of Republicans didn't like him, but there wasn't the hate. And there's a reason for that today. I really believe that. And it's sad. So because the Essenes, Essenes were unknown as a group and their beliefs were different, not many could explain much about them. Uh, yet the wonderful things was their fame spread near and far because of what they taught they lived together their lifestyle they didn't seek to own homes bigger than other people or whatever they they lived away from the carnal mindful world Uh, they traded among themselves they helped each member of the community regularly and even in unfortunate times or circumstances their love of their fathers their way of life became famous and they become the historians of their time and like i said earlier it's thought that they actually wrote the dead sea scrolls so they had tremendous understanding. Uh, the reason I point out the scenes is because I believe all throughout modern history, there existed many groups of people who function out of the Holy breath of God. Now in our generation, your generation, I'm 69 In our generation, I believe there were people that tapped into the Holy breath of God. I do believe that we saw what was called miracles, which should be the norm. I do believe words came supernaturally that were taught us. So I do not negate everything that happened. There were some really some awesome things that took place in our lifetime, but they never grasped hold of it to make it permanent. It was more like signs and wonders and it became signs and wonders and it brought glory too often to the, to the bearer, to the person that brought it. And we bowed down to them and we made them spiritual giants and that's why I've said not too long ago, Jesus never wanted us to have pictures of him hanging on our walls. Jesus never wanted us to have crosses around our neck because it was a horrible instrument of death. It was not anything holy whatsoever. I would never bow down to a cross and pray ever. Never. I would never bow down to a picture of Jesus and pray because he wanted us to embrace his, his uh, idea, not His idol, uh, make an idol out of him right and the same thing Kay was talking about this too Uh, buddha buddha was a good teacher but what they do they made an idol out of him and i would be upset if they made that out of me it made me a big great big fat guy (laughs) you know but every religion has done that and they have made their religion an idol and they have made their buildings an idol where they walk in and they bow down before the statues and the art and everything else and that never was intended whatsoever So these people learn to live and be, as I said before, and learn to be governed by the high land, that clock up there is wrong, by the high land which is out of the breath of God. We want to be governed by the cool of the day and I translated that for you, it's ruach and it's breath, it's not spirit. For all, most of my life I've said it's, the, it's spirit or Holy Spirit, but it's out of the breath of God. So how do we moment by moment exist as Highlanders? We exist as Highlanders, but how do we do that in experience? I've always said it's one thing for preachers to tell us what we need to do, but do they ever tell you how to do it? I tell you how, and I pray we do it together. So the reason I'm using the word Highlander is because the King James Version used the cool of the day like that. So uh, as we talked earlier, there was a race of people called the Philistines, and Donna pointed out what, what does their name mean? dust dwellers they rode in the dust and that's when I taught that and Judy wrote that song rolling in the dust and it living like man being as carnal as anyone can you know and so that's what they did they always resisted the children of Israel there also was that person that I mentioned that his name meant lowlander you know dwelling in the lowland all the time the apostle Paul said carnally mindful it's the same thing right Currently, to be currently mindful is death in other words death to all that you are death to the knowledge of God death to life and life more abundantly but spiritually minded is life and peace so we want to be spiritually or holy breath conscious constantly realize that everywhere we go we're the holy breath of God Barbie if we really realize that what would that do to our conversations what would it do to our thoughts it would change them right we would like John Cahill says we need to take that knowledge and make that the guard over our mouth what we say, our hear, hear what we hear, or eye what we see, and over our thoughts. I am the holy breath of God. I don't need that. I am the holy breath of God. It's not expedient that I say that, or it's not expedient that I do that. That's not who I am. And so what do you do? You practice that. You practice every day. You know, we used to say practice the presence of God. That's the same thing. You are the presence of God, and of God's breath. So proper growth always comes in exercise, correct? It always comes with exercise. Uh, I've been, my body has been sick for close to 16 months now, or longer really, and I've had to sit down a lot, I've had to lay down a lot, and not been able to do the, the stuff I normally do, and so my arms have lacked, and muscle, muscle my legs have, Because I haven't really had that proper exercise that causes a continuing growth in the body. And I'm beginning to do it. I'm trying to walk 30 minutes every day the best I can. And I know that I can't just sit there because if I do, my body will stop functioning. That's what they tell people in rest homes. If you just sit in that chair all the time, you're going to die. You've got to get up and walk down and eat. My mama wouldn't do it. She didn't wanna to go to the restaurant. She, wouldn't, she didn't wanna go talk to other people. She just sat in a recliner and we watched her die a very quick death within five months, didn't we? Very fast. And so I remember this many years ago. I was looking out uh, the kitchen sink and I'm pretty sure I was washing dishes at our other house. I think I was washing dishes for Donner. I'm not 100% sure. <laughs> but I was looking out in my garden and I was looking at my trees in my backyard. I had a lot of trees. I had a, a woodland garden in the back. And the wind was blowing and I was watching these trees just move back and forth like this. And Father began to speak to me about how the winds of life and the movement is what causes that tree to grow strong. Because as it bends, it pulls sap up. And the sap is what brings strength to us. It doesn't have to be bad winds, it's just winds. And it wasn't a big storm. They were just going back and forth and I just begin to hear that. So, without wind, the winds blowing, the tree would be weak, and when a big wind came, then the tree would break. It would snap. So when winds blow, again, the trunk and the limbs bend, and as they do, again, they draw up the sap. So, we grow by putting our anointed abilities to work. The tree was never created just to stand all the time. It moves. And i'm not saying i know much about it but i bet it has a lot to do with the leaves grabbing the carbon monoxide and functioning maybe taking dust out of the air maybe cooling underneath it out i know when you have a lot of trees in your neighborhood the temperature is brought down about 10 degrees that's why in oklahoma city every home is supposed to have at least one tree there's a reason they do that not just to be pretty but to keep her keep it clean if you would too and so When we grow in our abilities to work by going and sharing religiously hidden hidden secrets out of our breath, it builds us up. We're moving. We're getting up and we're moving and we're functioning. And my point here is, I'm probably going to jump ahead of myself, but we don't sit and wait for God to do something. We're not to sit around and wait for ministry. Why aren't people listening to me? Why, why don't I have 50,000 people? When's God going to send more people to my church? When's people, more people going to watch me on Facebook and all that? And we're waiting on God when our strength comes from going Amen. and moving and have no expectations except for the voice of God, the breath of God to use us. And too many people are sitting around waiting for God to do something or telling God what they want Him to do. So if centered in our oneness with Father, the secret is those who give out and serve grow rapidly, right? Those who go to the YMCA and lift the weights and ride the bicycles and swim and walk on the treadmills, their muscles grow. Those who sit and do nothing, nothing's happening. Right. We're growing the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, that's right, Donald. We grow out <laughs> and we grow in the wrong places. So your thinking, actions, and words will be the same as Father's then. Father told Jeremiah, and I love that because the Lord spoke that to me, don't be afraid of their faces. I will put the words in your mouth. All your job is, is when I prompt you to go, is go. Go. Now, I'm sure Jeremiah had some understanding and uh, natural understanding. I'm sure he, as a young man, he had stutter, stuttered, stuttered, studied the scrolls and things like that. But the father put the words in his mouth what he was supposed to say because he was a prophet of God to the people right then. And so the same is true of those who are willing to give out and serve. Everything you do and say will be of your father if you're willing to go out. So you should always know yourself as a spiritual being. First and foremost, I'm not just Roy Richmond. I'm not just a mother, father, grandfather, aunt, uncle, whatever we call ourselves. I am a spiritual being. Now again, I'm not gonna walk around and just tell people I'm a spiritual being, but I'll tell them they are a spiritual being. I have no problem telling them that. But think and move and live as the breath of God. Be a man or a woman of perfect design because God designed you for exactly who you are and your calling. Give your consciousness to heavenly things. These are things that we need to do to, to literally be Highlanders. To, to experience that is give your consciousness to heavy things, heavenly things, live and sit in vital union with Father and leave behind the shadows of ceremonial law. Law is just a shadow, is a shallow thing. Holy breath is substance. There's substance to it. So true Christianity is the infusion of spirit life or holy breath that always has been, and it swallows up and makes void that old worn out way of living. I can tell you over and over and over that what Jesus did was he destroyed death, hell, and the grave, and that was the law. I can tell you that Jesus took in himself the, the mistaken identity, the confusion of mankind, and he destroyed it at the cross. But in, in order for you to experience that, you've got to bring that into your consciousness, and you've got to infuse that inside of you and allow it to make void all that other stuff and make void living as carnal. You have to come to the end of that. Because until you come to the end of all you believe, you're not going to hear the the rest. So what did we do? We grew out of the seed of life. Just as a plant grows in the soil, when you put a plant in the soil, it grows out of that seed. It's a plant, but right now it's in a seed, but it grows. We started out as a seed, and it needed to be watered and fertilized properly with truth, but it was watered and fertilized with religion. It was fertilized with things that were said about us that weren't true from childhood up. I mean, this young man, the first five years of his life, it's affected him. And you can tell what he's believed, what, he's, what he sees on that right there that he's playing with, the iPad, it affects him, and it's the, sometimes it's the wrong type of watering. And we have to watch what goes inside of them. So we grew out of a seed, and those who choose to to grow, those who choose to do the things that I'm instructing you in, Kay is, and other ministers, is they will wax strong in their holy breath and their knowledge and they're the happiest of people. They're happy. I'm happy. You know, even though there's some things going on in my life, I still see that as a no thing. I'm happy to be able to do what I do. People tell me all the time when I'm standing up here ministering, I don't look sick and thank you for saying that because I don't want to look sick. I'm trying not now Donna would say I need to do more in the home and not present myself that way to her, but I know who I am and I know my source. When I'm in there studying and when I'm writing and when I'm teaching, I'm so happy because it's my mandate. And that's why I can teach two people or three people or if it's just Donna in here and Facebook, I'm enjoying what I'm doing because I'm growing in the soil that I'm planted in. So putting away all selfish interests along with constantly waiting on Father God to do something is not what we're doing. We're not just putting aside those things. We're not just waiting on God to do something. Uh, it's uh, Waiting on God to do something brings no spiritual growth whatsoever. It keeps you hindered all the time, and it brings self-condemnation. Huh? That's what the church has done. Yes, and it brings self-condemnation. You know, no matter how many people are on Facebook watching me today, the truth is it doesn't matter. You know, because if it does matter how many is watching me and then I look on there and only 20 showed up today, you know, or like yesterday, I put a post to join me uh, today and I kind of told what we were going to do. And there was like six or seven people that noticed it or put like or whatever. Well, if you're really bound up to Facebook, you would get really depressed. Well, first of all, people don't have to like what you posted. They can look at it. They don't have to like it. I wish they'd get rid of the like button to tell you the truth because there are a lot of people that live and move and have their being by how many people like their post, mm-hmm. right? They don't have a and they live and move and have their being by how many people like their sermon. If you, if you get up and teach and not one person says amen and people are looking at their clock all the time and, and they're not smiling or anything, then you can get really insecure. But if you know what your mandate is, you just do what your mandate is and don't expect nothing back from anybody, I right? So it's necessary for spiritually mindful people to put on the holy mind of God that they may fully be able to handle being son of God. Just like when I worked for Bob Mills, there came a time, Bob Mills Furniture, I was the general manager, there came a time that I had to listen to him and I had to put on in my understanding that I am the general manager of Bob Mills Furniture and then I functioned very well from that point on. And we want to function out of who we are. Then we can say, I have strength for all things because of my holy breath, which empowers me. And I am ready for anything and equal to anything through holy breath who infuses inner strength in and through me. That's Philippians 4.13, paraphrased by me. Let me read it again. Okay. I have strength for all things because of my holy breath, which empowers me. And I'm ready for anything and equal to anything through holy breath who infuses inner strength in me and through me. That's what we can say when we know who we are and we willingly exercise our spirit. And what I mean by exercise is use it, right? I already have muscles, but in order for those muscles to be what they need to be, I need to use those muscles. I'm 69 years old, but I'm telling you, I can have a muscle that big if I want to. I really can. I can have muscles in my back. I can have abs if I want to. All I've got to do is start using them. And so this is my, my thing to you. To answer how, how to live as a Highlander is start using the breath of God that you are. Every day, every moment, use it. Sometimes it doesn't have to be verbal. Like I said last week, sometimes you just walk by somebody and just breathe on them. Jesus breathed he blew on them, and he said receive he said handle he said use your breath use your holy breath use your spirit if you need to hear the word spirit so to exercise our given abilities to live as Highlanders we must walk in full awareness of who we are and guess what happens and your vision changes your vision changes I love the mountains any of you been to the mountains I know you have Norman Donna. have you Barbara I remember our first time to go snow skiing, and we got up on top of a mountain in Breckenridge. I could see so far away, and it was so beautiful. I love high places. I remember the first time that I flew in an airplane, and I looked down, and the earth was absolutely beautiful. We were flying over cities, and they were pretty. If I'd been down low, I probably would have seen the trash and and all the other stuff, but my vision changed from being high. And so if you're, and this is a bold statement, if your sight is nothing but gloom, doom, and despair, we're getting ready to fall apart, the political system's cratering, you know, I know the systems of this earth are going to go down, but I believe the kingdom of God is rising faster than that. But I'm not fearful of it. And if you're fearful and you're worried, then just come up. Come up to this high place. Let it change your vision. As we reach the summit, there remains, let me fix something here, there remains nothing to obstruct your vision. And our problem is if we're not functioning out who we are, our vision's obstructed. Our vision's instructed by problems and situations, not knowing who we are, and God wants to take that off, those scales off of us and bring us up higher. If you think you're thirsty, then cut a path through the wilderness and dig a well. <laughs> If you think you lack anything, just by faith receive it. You don't lack anything whatsoever. So as we keep in tune to this infinite, this infinite pulsation of life, it becomes ours. And what happens is we stay in tune with the heavenly harmonies. And that's what we want to do. Samuel said, be strong and quiet yourself. Be strong and, excuse me, be strong and quit yourselves like men. He said the same thing Isaiah said, see she from a man whose breath is in his nostrils. In other words, quit acting as Adam, as mere man. Every place you look up the word man, it's Adam. And Adam became uh, self aware. Adam began to listen to the teachers of the knowledge of good and evil. And Adam condemned himself, right? That's that condition. And they said, cease, bend that way. So how do you do it? You kindle your spiritual senses. You keep your voice sharp by using it. You, you live in the uh, the highland and there's plenty of oxygen there or there's breath there. There's breath to breathe. So in closing, to live as a Highlander, it takes self-discipline, right? To live well, it takes self-discipline they'll live trim and fit. It takes self-discipline, doesn't it? And, you know, most of Americans and I guess other countries have problems with weight, you know, and we have so much stuff offered to us, it's unbelievable. And we've been convinced that it tastes good. And it's, uh, you know, I'll say, you know what, I know what I need to do. I need to eat nothing but vegetables and I need to eat nothing but uh, uh, Wild caught fish, salmon, things like that, and I did for about two or three weeks, and I lost over 10 pounds, and I felt better. But then we go to two or three parties, and there's there's goodies, and there's cakes, and it's just it's hard to say no. Well, I'll just take one little bite, and that one little bite becomes pretty big. And and what I tell people, all I did is take a tablespoonful. But there's about thirty different items, so a tablespoonful. You know, I'm just joking with you. But I'm just. We know self-discipline is is tough. But you know what? I think it needs to be better than self-discipline. I just need. I think it needs to be Holy Spirit discipline. It needs to be breath of God, I can't do it. ma'am. Yourself, be myself, and I can't do it. So I'm not talking about works of the flesh. I'm talking about. Listening to the voice of spirit and following it. And I said this once and people kind of thought it was funny but Literally the a good discipline to get into is listening to the voice and when you hear a desire for something say is that of Spirit or is that a carnal desire? Before you go get that gallon of ice cream is it is the spirit telling me? I'm hungry or is it my flesh? that's telling me I'm hungry my carnal desire So I know people are saying all right Roy. You're preaching the law now (laughs) hey Susan McGee uh, so we want to tune in we want to be strong we want to breathe the breath of God we want to realize that there's holy power within us and we can stir it up the Bible talks about that stirring that Timothy was told by Paul stir up that gift that's within inside of you don't let it lay dormant and so the ability to pursue what one thinks is right despite temptations and abandon, and and, uh, despite all temptations, if you really understand how to function right, upright, because that's what Jesus did. He brought us awareness that we were upright. Then it can be be controlled, and we don't have to abandon what our Father wants for us. The quality of life I'm talking about is a quality of discipline, not just self-discipline, but just spiritual discipline. And it's a habit. It's a habit. You, we can practice living out of our spirit to the point that it becomes a greater habit than anything else there is. People have habits, and they, they can break free of them, but it's very hard. And, but it's not hard to take on the habit of living as holy breath once you know who you are. You just practice it every day. The most successful people on earth are highly disciplined, right? They practice doing things, and they just do it. And it doesn't take long. So we will speak more on this in our next session. Thank you very much. It's good for me too. So I love you guys. I'm Marsha. Appreciate you. That's right. Stir it up. So we bless all of you. Hope you have a good day. And keep breathing. Keep breathing the breath of God. Bye-bye.